Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the Power, to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. 
Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, and or tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world or in the free The Secret Teachings archive on our website, the many radio and podcast players, and a special welcome and thank you to all of you who have subscribed to our archive at thesecretteachings.info to get access to the shows without advertisements, all of the montages, and all of my digital books. If you'd like to become a subscriber and supporter of the show, you can go to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today to get all of that. Plus, yearly subscribers get a free copy of one of my books. Those books are also on the website. And if you're looking for more of The Secret Teachings, you can find behind-the-scenes content over on Patreon. You can follow us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Find us on Gab and Gitter. You can follow us there and like us there. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. rdgable at yahoo.com. I got inundated with emails after the state of the buffoonian show that we did last night. So please be patient because I go through all of these emails myself. I don't have a team of people that do it for me. Please be patient. If you really want to get something to my attention, send it twice, and I will try to get back to you as soon as possible. rdgable at yahoo.com. We also have an affiliate sponsor, Pro One Water Filters. You can check that out on our website. Click the link, see what they have available for water filters for the home, for the shower, for vacation, camping, etc., If you buy something, we get a percentage. If not, it doesn't cost you anything. And if you're listening to the show on a podcast or radio player like Apple Podcasts, for example, there is a little section at the bottom where you can leave us a review and you can click on three, four, five stars, whatever you think we're worth. I'd appreciate it if all of you listening were to do that really fast because it helps to spread the show because we just had to republish probably about five or six years of content to those players. And uh, we don't have any reviews. We don't have any stars. So it looks like the show's brand new, even though we've been around for over a decade. So please click on those stars and leave us a review. If you have just a moment to do that, I'd really, really appreciate it. If you are listening to The Secret Teachings in the archive, you've probably listened to our show that we did on Tuesday called Death Star. Now, the show we did on Tuesday called Death Star was about the moon, Earth's moon, something that is right in front of our faces, a very peculiar thing, something we don't really think that much about. We don't put a lot of energy into thinking about the moon. It's just there. We kind of take it for granted. We just go outside on a nice evening, a nice night. We see the moon. It's pretty. We watch it wax. We watch it wane. For those of you on the Fringe FM, if you listen to a lot of the radio shows on the Fringe, 
You probably hear a lot about the moon. You hear a lot about astrology. You hear a lot about the planets. You hear a lot about astronomical alignments. Last week, we talked about the Pluto returns. So some people, some of you are focused on the heavens. Some of you are focused on the mechanisms of the heavens. And it's really incredible when you look up into the sky and you see the moon and you see these other planetary bodies and you see stars and you just think about just the mainstream, mainline, scientific, physics, astrobiology, et cetera, et cetera, story about the universe. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's really beyond comprehension. And a lot of people, as a result of that, look, at, look up in the sky and they think, well, th- th- this isn't natural. Th- this had to have been the, the design. Uh, this has to be evidence of a divine intelligence. And there are scientists who have spent their entire lives as atheists or whatever, and they've also changed their perspective once they, once they, uh, you know, lived a lifetime of of atheism and finally recognized that there has to be some kind of intelligent design behind behind um, our reality. It's it's too perfect. But even for things that might be considered natural, that might be considered evolutionary, I've never had an issue with what we call God being the driving force behind what we call evolution. I I never understood why people that are evolutionists and people that are creationists can't put their perceived differences aside and sit down and recognize that, well, evolution could be part of the divine plan. Evolution could be part of God's plan. God could have, you know, initiated evolution. Although I think that Creationism and evolutionism are just two sides of the same proverbial coin. I think that there are elements of creationism and evolutionism that are inaccurate and that, you know, an honest person, an honest scientist, an honest, let's say, Christian, for example, should acknowledge that there are some shortcomings of these theories and that there are perhaps alternative ways of looking at it. Now, of course, in the, in the 21st century, and especially in the last 15 years, there's been a, uh, a heavy influence on society by people who believe in you know, ancient aliens, right? And this idea that aliens seeded the earth, and this idea that you know, in, in different, different scenarios, aliens were responsible for the the birth of humans, or at least the, the uh, development of humans, giving ancient man knowledge of mathematics and how to brew beer and how to, you know, transact and save receipts, which is something the, the Sumerians did 4,000 or so years ago. I mean, a lot of the clay cuneiform tablets are, are economical. They are, uh, you know, receipts of transactions and things like that. So, I don't know, did man develop that himself? Did God give that knowledge to man at the beginning? Or did God intervene? Are, are these aliens? I mean, these are all the, the different ideas. And I think that we get so absorbed in them that we kind of overlook the, the simplicity of them, of, the, of the, the basis of some of these ideas, in the same way that we get so absorbed in, in the physical world 
and uh, we we tend to overlook things that are that are really unexplainable and that really indicate that there's some kind of intelligence behind the grand design of all of this. And the moon is a great example of that, as we discussed on Tuesday, because, you know, the moon itself, it's it's peculiar enough that the moon rotates at the same rate that the earth rotates at. So we always see the dark, you know, the, the opposite side of the dark side of the moon. We always see the, the near side of the moon. We don't see the dark side. And that's led to speculation that there's something secretive on the dark side, right? The Nazis have a base on the dark side. There's an alien outpost on the dark side. I mean, we have pictures of the dark side, um, and we have pictures of the near side. And the, the pictures of the near side show bizarre anomalies all over the surface of the moon, whether that's tracks, which you know Apollo 17 uh, of NASA documented the tracks on the moon that they said were caused some of them by boulders but some of the boulders were smaller than the tracks so they couldn't have caused the tracks some of these tracks go down craters across the crater and back up the other side there are uh, bizarre shapes of craters that aren't circular when you look at them there's objects that look like vehicles on the moon and I'm not, I'm not talking about rocks. I'm not talking about, hey, that kind of looks like a jelly donut. Remember that? It's the jelly donut on Mars. No, I'm talking about things that if you look at the high-res image, they look unnatural. They look like there is some kind of intelligent design behind them. And that's, again, on the near side of the moon. That's not even the far side. And uh, these ideas have been around since, well, for, for probably close to about 75 years uh, or more. These are not new ideas. Books have been written about this. A guy named George Leonard wrote a book in the 60s called Somebody Else's on the Moon. Uh, I just read that uh, about a week ago to prepare for our moon show Tuesday. And you know, in that book, he documents a lot of these photographs of the moon, and he talks about some of the objects that he saw and his contacts with NASA. So the point is the moon is anomalous. There are anomalies on the moon. Uh, the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun. The moon is 400 times closer to the earth than the sun. The moon is rotating at a rate of 400 kilometers uh, per every earth day. The duration of, of, a, of the moon's orbit is two, uh, 27.322 uh, earth days, which is a number very close to the size relationship of the moon to the earth being 27.31% of the earth's size. That's bizarre enough, but then when you take the earth and how it turns on its axis, 366.259 times for each orbit around the sun, you get a number also close to the relationship of the Earth to the moon being 366.175% larger than the moon. And the moon orbits 366 orbits um, for every 10,000 Earth days. There are 109.2 Earth diameters across the sun's diameter and 109.2 sun diameters between the Earth and the sun at its furthest point. The circumference of the moon is also 109.2 times 100 kilometers. So these numbers are, uh, as Alan Butler pointed out in Who Built the Moon, these numbers themselves are anomalous. And they don't, the sun-moon-earth relationship does not exist anywhere else in our solar system in this capacity with planetary bodies, with moons, with big rocks, etc. So it is beyond anomalous, and it's something that, we don't 
think about because when we look at the moon, we just feel that that's, that's always been there. We kind of take it for granted. It's one of those hidden in plain sight kind of things. It's not like humans are hiding it in plain sight. Um, some suggest, and, and I, I think that there's perhaps validity to this suggestion, that the moon itself and that these mathematical anomalies, these physical anomalies, these are things that perhaps are the, are the brain children, if you will, of an intelligence that created uh, the moon or that perhaps created the solar system or perhaps created all life as we know it. And, you know, these are the, these are the foundational ideas for a lot of science fiction films. I mean, obviously, 2001 A Space Odyssey, that movie was, was basically based on some of the things that NASA was finding out about the moon that there were these gravitational anomalies on the moon, and that, of course, led to the, the magnetic anomaly in a space odyssey. Uh, at least that's the speculation. Uh, it was based on things that NASA already knew and that NASA was not telling the public, so we found out in a space odyssey. Or if you watch Prometheus, of course, the engineers come to Earth, they, they seed the planet, and you see the, the DNA break apart, and then it, it forms into more complex things, and then you know humans develop thousands, maybe even millions of years later. But that's, you know, that seems to be the Hollywood version of how life started on this planet. That seems to be the, you know, the science fiction comic book version of how life started on this planet. And, uh, you know, the way that life started on this planet is just as uh, bizarre. It's just as bizarre as as the moon itself. We don't, like, we don't know how the moon was formed. There are theories on how the moon was formed, but even the big whack and then the double big whack theory, they don't adequately explain how the moon was formed. They don't adequately explain how the moon came into existence. Um, Again, we discussed all this on Tuesday's show, but I'm just giving you a little bit of a recap because the moon is bizarre enough and the moon earth sun relationship with all the numbers and, and the anomalies of that that's strange enough. But then you get the idea of, again, how did life develop on planet Earth? We have no idea. Scientists at the biggest universities, scientists all across the world, nobody has a clue. And as far as we know, evolution was initiated by God. Evolutionary belief doesn't permit that just like creationist belief doesn't permit that. But a real honest individual can look at both and say, I think they're both a little bit correct. There could also be other components to these to these theories. Now, personally, I'm not someone who believes, I'll tell you this, I don't believe in Darwinian evolution in the sense that it's totally responsible for everything. I do believe in social Darwinism, because there are absolutely social Darwinists walking the planet today, and they make their intentions and their goals very, very, uh, you know, they make them very obvious. Uh, But I don't also necessarily believe in creationism in the sense that God just spoke it and it came into existence. I think that's more of a metaphor. I don't necessarily think that that's literal. And and I kind of look at evolution in a similar way. I don't necessarily think it's literal I think it's more metaphoric, so some of it makes sense, but, you know, there's even the story that Darwin rejected his own evolutionary theory uh, around the time of his death and said that, you know, a lot of it is 
incorrect, a lot of it is is wrong. So I guess I guess my my idea here, my thoughts here, are that we don't know much about the moon, which regulates pretty much everything on this planet from menstruation, which is where you know the word comes from, menstruation, menses, the moon, moonth, a period of four weeks roughly, the moon's relationship to the earth and to the sun, astronomically, mathematically, the rotation, the revolution, the, the orbit, everything is, is so mathematically perfect and that the relationship between the moon and the earth is one thing, but then you add the sun and you've got a whole nother, a whole nother story that just makes very little sense. It almost as if, it's almost as if you have these, these components and, and some kind of evidence or some kind of proof for an intelligence that wants our, our, our planetary in, intelligence, human beings, to recognize that these these things are not natural. I mean, yes, there are you know patterns in nature. Everything in nature is a pattern. It's a fract, fractal pattern. You know, it's it's part of uh, you know what what some would call a larger design. But some things in nature, because human build humans build in similar ways, so some things in nature are 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 natural in the sense that humans are natural, right? And we we build them. But some things are also clearly artificial. And, and when things become obvious that they don't fit into the pattern of, of organic nature, then we say, well, humans built that or, well, in, in you know, when you have uh, things like uh, astro uh, archaeology, where you look at the heavens and you look at things built on Earth, megalithic structures, monolithic structures, most of the academic community just ignores the relationship because they feel as if, you know, we can't explain it. We don't understand it. So it must not have happened. And our ancestors were not this smart. But then you get other people that think, you know, every pyramid is aligned to some planetary body or it's aligned to some some kind of, uh, you know, star map in the sky. And I, I don't personally necessarily believe that either. I, I think, you know, all of these different theories, they don't leave a lot of room for for uh, they don't leave any wiggle room. For, for questions. And, and I, I mean, I really think if you put evolution, creationism, you know, even the idea that the planet was seeded, if you put all that together, I think you get a better understanding of, of human, you know, development. But there, there's a lot more to it than that because um, you get people like Paul Davies, for example. Paul Davies is a scientist at the Australian Center for Astrobiology. And he suggested that, you know, aliens, whatever we call aliens, uh, that they may have left artifacts in the vicinity of planets that are likely to spawn intelligent life. And he says that artifacts are probably, and, and I've always agreed with this idea, I think artifacts, you know, like the monolith from a space odyssey, are probably the most logical thing that an extraterrestrial species, or what we might call God, actually, um, would probably leave on our planet or in the vicinity of our planet or any planet, you know, just because if you're talking about radio signals and you're talking about light years, I mean, by the time we picked up a radio signal, whoever sent it could have lost interest, right? Uh, so whoever sent it could have just, it, it could have been an accident. They, they, that civilization could be dead, gone by now. So, you know, it's not that I have an issue with SETI. I just think that, you know, it's almost 
impossible. It's it's incredibly improbable that we're going to turn our dishes to uh, a signal from an intelligent species and have contact with them. They're probably long gone by now. I mean, but th- this is also just, you know, the, the kind of the talking point of of the scientific community and everybody has their own ideas. But I, I mean, I, I like the idea of Paul Davies, who he believes that aliens would have left artifacts. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, a ritual dagger or, you know, some kind of clothing or some kind of altar or something like that. But he believes and, you know, I, I, I tend to be of this belief as well that whatever this artifact is, it wouldn't be a conventional object. It's basically God in a sense, leaving evidence of his existence in, in the design of, of nature. Now, he suggested that whatever this intelligence is, if they were to leave evidence of their existence, that you know they were responsible in part for creation, he said, quote, a lesion of small, cheap, self-repairing and self-replicating machines that can keep editing and copying information and perpetuate themselves over immense durations in the face of unforeseen environmental hazards. Now, the, the the interesting thing about what he said is, you know, I think of like neural dust or smart dust, of course. I think of, you know, like nano machines, like nanotech. But he said that these machines already exist. He's talking more about, quote, living cells. And, um, you know, it's an idea it's not necessarily a theory that's being put forth, but it's an idea. In other words, the evidence of what we call aliens or God is within our body. It's in our cells. And the idea that we have 90 plus percent of our DNA that is junk, a lot of scientists, a lot of people believe that that junk DNA is actually loaded with messages. It doesn't affect the performance of the cells or the other parts of the DNA that are active. But that 97 roughly percent is actually filled with information that when we can crack it, we have all of this this vast quantity of knowledge that's been left behind by, well, if you watched Alien, the engineers, or call it God, or call it aliens. The proof of intelligence is within our own bodies. It's not out there somewhere else in the universe. We're going to talk about that tonight on the show. DNA, it's more baffling than the moon, I promise. This is The Secret Teachings, rdgable at yahoo.com, thesecretteachings.info. Stay with us. There's more after this. A lot of this is in my book, The Technological Elixir, so check that out at thesecretteachings.info and stay with us. It's The Secret Teachings Radio, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, exclusively airing on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is The Secret Teachings Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the name and start listening today for free. But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? 
If you enjoyed the secret teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. your host Ryan Gable and this is the Secret Teachings Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Paul Davies, a scientist at the Australian Center for Astrobiology, has suggested along with a lot of other scientists that aliens, whatever we call aliens, some higher intelligence, may not be beaming radio signals at us. This is just how we choose to communicate and how we think that aliens would communicate with us, but He believes that aliens may have left artifacts in the vicinity of planets that were likely to spawn intelligent life or some kind of intelligence, something that maybe we can't even conceive of, and that given sufficient advancement on the part of that developing species, there may be a recognition of these things, of these artifacts, that some kind of other intelligent life was responsible for the creation of you, was responsible for the creation of you. Of us. Now, Christians and Jews and Muslims and others have a little bit of a problem with this. People that are scientifically minded also tend to have a problem with this, except science is probably more 
willing to accept the possibility of, well, what they might call panspermia, but they don't like the idea of intelligent design, which is bizarre because science as a field of observation should be able to look at the the message in that of the moon, earth, and sun, and they should be able to look at the message in human biology, in our cells, in our DNA, and a lot of scientists have, and see that it is beyond human comprehension, the complexity and, and, and the patterns and the fractals that, as far as we can tell, is intelligently designed in some way. And so the scientific viewpoint of this has to be, should be, that those that are religious, that believe more so in faith, and there are just as many people in the scientific community that believe in what they believe based on faith and faith alone, that the faithful might have a point when they say that the world is intelligently designed. Now, we also would have to define, and I'm not going to do it for you, but we'd have to define, you know, what exactly is intelligence? What is intelligent design? What is God? And I don't mean that in a philosophical sense. I mean, let's define what those words mean. Think about them for a moment. I don't think there's much of a difference between the scientific doctrine of evolution and the religious doctrine of creationism. Now, you have other religions, the the Hindu faith, you have Buddhism. They're more perhaps willing to accept the idea of things like, and, and, and it was in uh, the, the original doctrine of Christianity, things like uh, reincarnation. But they're more willing to accept things like reincarnation, and they're more willing to accept things like, um, you know, multiple universes and, you know, things that are more defined today in the 21st century and the late 20th century as being components of cutting-edge science, of physics and, you know, complex scientific theories of, of the creation of, of the universe and the solar system and all this. So again, we have to really think about it and define these words. Like we argue, we fight, we debate. It's, it's a cultural thing. We, we, we try to produce an environment. Usually it's an echo chamber where we have people that agree with us. Some people though, don't necessarily want anyone to agree with them. They just want to have a discussion on the subject, it's like late night radio, right? Late night radio, we have these kinds of, of talks. We have these kinds of discussions. And, you know, people will assign all kinds of labels to late night radio. It's conspiracy theory. It's, it's just nonsense. It's science fiction. But these are really important questions. I mean, evolution, creationism, something in between, panspermia, whatever. You know, and it just I don't know why we feel the need, I guess it's ego, to always go back and try to defend our belief rather than looking at evidence or looking at other points of view that can provide us with a new perspective where our our beliefs don't have to don't have to be disproven. You can be a a, a creationist and still believe in evolution. I mean, God created everything, right? Well, things had to evolve in some capacity after creation, right? Especially if you believe in free will. Evolution, in a sense, is a form of of program. 
But free will is a decision that you make. It's a decision maybe even that animals make, that animals have. I mean, we could argue about this stuff forever. We can argue about this stuff till the sun explodes, until the moon is beyond our planet as it moves away little bit by little bit. We can argue about this stuff until the end of what we consider to be time. But even that, what exactly is time, right? In, in, in physics and, uh, you know, mainline scientific physics theory, things like time and things like particles and things like waves and in the quantum world, things don't make a lot of sense, at least based on our conventional view of, of how we look at them. And that's why quantum physics and what some might consider to be the cutting edge of, of science today is looking at a world that is basically from the point of view of like mathematics or, you know, scientific observation is, is basically the world of, of Judeo-Christianity. It's the world of, of Islam. It's the world of all these religions that, that people believe in, in, within with faith and they're looking at the same world and, and they're proving intelligent design. Now, some people might disagree with that. And I don't see why the, the Christian and the scientist, if you will, can't come together. I don't see why the creationist and the evolutionist can't come together. But the idea put forth by Paul Davies is that aliens might not be sending us radio signals. They might be sending us or have sent us some kind of artifact and, I mean, yes, I've seen a space odyssey, but that's, that's not where this idea comes from. In fact, the idea for a space odyssey with the black monolith comes from what NASA was investigating as per the moon way before I was born. And before that movie ever came out, before that script was written, before Kubrick directed it, because the moon has gravitational anomalies. And this was launching probes that were sent to the moon, either directly into its surface or shooting the, the probe away from the moon. And they had to make a lot of, you know, recalculations because they have these mass concentrations of material on the surface of the moon at different places that's really abnormal and, and shouldn't be there. Not to mention that during the Apollo 12 and Apollo 13 missions, well, we found out that the moon is essentially a hollow object and has little to no core whatsoever. And we've read the quotations here on the show on Tuesday's show Death Star about the about the moon and you know Carl Sagan a natural satellite cannot be a hollow object. Erwin Shapiro the best explanation of the moon is observational error the moon doesn't exist. And I keep bringing up the moon because the moon is something we see every single day, we see it every single night, we see it every time we go outside. We look up in the sky, we see the stars, we see the moon, we see the heavens, we see what our ancestors saw. We see what people thousands, maybe even millions of, of years ago saw. Of course, the heavens change, but we're looking up in the same sky. You're looking at the same sun. You're looking at the same moon. And I personally believe, this is my belief, that the whole idea that we never went to the moon is a QAnon-level psychological tool that has been used to disassociate us from reality and prevent us from recognizing the obvious anomalies with that object up in the sky. And I also believe that the idea that the 
the earth is flat and the sun and the moon are just light bulbs in the sky. I think that's also a psychological tool that's been used to misdirect our observations of nature and confuse people on how intelligently designed all of this really is. Now, again, I don't mean that in the sense of like a god with a scepter created everything, but created in the sense that there is intelligence behind the universe. This would lead some to believe that the universe itself is actually intelligent. Like this is the brain of what we call God. It, it, the, the, I mean, even if you look at pictures of, of the universe, um, real pictures, not those computer-generated images, but again, I guess even, even the computer-generated images, which are just like an artist's rendering of what they think the universe looks like. You look at real pictures of the universe taken through these big telescopes, it looks like neurons in the brain. I mean, you really approach this idea of almost like a Dr. Seuss-like existence. Uh, Horton hears a who. Uh, You know, the Grinch takes place on the snowflake. The universe looks like neuronal networks in the brain. So God created man in his image. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to break this down. People like Paul Davies and others suggest that the artifacts that these extraterrestrials left or that God left would be the the evidence that is it's basically hidden in plain sight. It's somewhere it's like the philosopher's stone, actually, for those of you who are knowledgeable knowledgeable on the occult and esoterica, the idea of the philosopher's stone. Like if you ever watch Harry Potter, and remember at the end of the first Harry Potter, if you read the book, watch the movie, Harry has the stone the whole time. Those that are worthy of it and those that won't abuse it can acquire it. And when you acquire it, you realize you've actually had it the same, you know, the whole time, the the, the same time you've been looking for it, you've actually already been in possession of it. So you're looking in the wrong place. I mean, that's the idea of the philosopher's stone or the powder of projection. It's very similar, that idea. And I mean, this also relates to alchemy I mean, a lot, of these, a lot of these ideas and a lot of these different fields of observation and investigation, alchemy, science, chemistry, biology, uh, astronomy, I mean, th- these were things that for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, even in their infancy, th- these were all the same. It, it was just the world. It was trying to quantify reality. And you look anywhere and everywhere and you accumulate all this information. Now it's been broken apart into different segments. And, and well, modern man today doesn't like when other people from other segments come into their segment. They don't like when people come into their little organized structure. You know, geologists, archaeologists, anthropologists, sociologists, mathematicians, physicists. People don't like when a biologist comes into the world of, you know, let's say archaeology, I, I don't know. People that are archaeologists don't like when people who are mathematicians creep into their field. I mean, everybody just, they, they got to have their own little slice. And, 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 and for thousands of years, that's not how it was. This is how we, we've compartmentalized knowledge today. And some might think that that's actually a, you know part of a larger conspiracy. I don't think it's part of a larger conspiracy, but I think it's been used 
by individuals, by maybe even companies, by by people with a lot of power, etc. That I mean, obviously, compartmentalization helps to prevent us from putting all of this this information together. So, the power of projection, the philosopher's stone, that's something that's inside of you. You already have that, and once you realize it. And just like Solomon, when you ask for knowledge, for knowledge's sake, and you choose to use it to help people, then it's provided to you. That's the idea of ask and ye shall receive. Not a new car, you know, not a not a you know a, a piece of jewelry or a nice house, but ask for knowledge. You shall receive knowledge. Ask for proof. Ask for evidence. Ask for God to give you a sign. It might not be the kind of sign you're looking for. It's like scientists that are looking up into the skies with with dishes and looking for radio signals. They're probably not going to find radio signals from an extraterrestrial civilization, but we can find proof of an intelligent design and that of the moon, for example, as we talked about on Tuesday, the show Death Star, which is in the archive at thesecretteachings.info, or in our own bodies. Paul Davies suggested that a a self-repairing, self-replicating type of machine could have been left as evidence of intelligent design. And and these machines, you might think nanotech, I think that too, but he's referring to living cells. And he says that what we consider to be, you know, our junk DNA might actually be loaded with messages that we're supposed to you know, discover that we're supposed to read when we have the, the ability to access that information. Now, this is also um, something that we did a show a couple of months ago about DNA and RNA. That was a really tiny piece of the show. But how these things relate to hallucinatory substances ayahuasca, peyote, LSD, etc. And we looked at the idea that about 30 to 40,000 years ago, our ancestors, with the same brain capacity that we have, our ancestors were drawing and painting on cave walls, uh, places like uh, southern France, for example. Um, We know that thousands of years ago, our ancestors had an understanding of the cycles of the moon, we talked about that on Tuesday, but going back even further, about 30,000 roughly years ago in places like France, 20-something thousand years ago, 25, 26, 27,000 years ago, roughly in, in places like Africa, our ancestors were painting on cave walls and they were depicting um, therianthropic beings, half human, half animal beings, things that, you know, if you watched an episode of Ancient Aliens, they might consider these to be like hybrid creatures, which in a, in a sense they are. It's interesting because if we go back to shamanic culture, shamanic tradition, and yeah, there are shamans today, but a lot of people just take that word and, hey, I'm a shaman, and they dance around at conferences and try to get people to give them money. But, uh, you know, historically, if you look at shamanic culture, what shamans see, for example, and this is all related to DNA and the creation of life and all this is shamans go into the other world using some kind of substance. They commune with spirits. They see things that are 
bizarre to us, half human, half animal, etc. Some shamans are chosen at a young age, and then they have these spirit guides. A lot of shamans have been, you know, uh, impaired in some capacity, so they've they've experienced the world from a different perspective. They've experienced dismemberment in the other world. They've experienced uh, things like crystals and rocks being implanted into their bodies, and then they're reassembled, and then they are sent back, and they have this knowledge of how to heal and how to help their people. Now, if you think about it for a moment, think about that story. Think about that idea. You get the same story with what we call UFO or alien abductions. Some people are taken from an early age and they're repetitively abducted. Some people are guided by kind of like a spirit animal or what alien abductees and researchers might call plant memories. You know, like the the, the big black-eyed owl, for example. You also have alien abductions that result in uh, sexual intercourse, which shamans have spirit wives. That's a well-known thing. You have even children in the spirit world, children that are, you know, half human, half alien. This is where you get this idea that aliens are interested in human DNA or even animal DNA, cattle mutilations. And you have people that are experiencing things implanted in their bodies, and then they wake up out of the paralysis, out of the experience. And a lot of people who have been abducted by aliens, quote-unquote, turn out to have a, a better perspective, a more positive perspective on life, and they don't see it necessarily as worthless, and they want to clean up the planet and make this a nice place. So it's very similar to shamanic experiences. These experiences are also almost identical to the ancient Greek and the ancient Egyptian, and going back even further than that, the mystery schools. Because even though alien abductees are are usually and traditionally, they're not mentally ill, they're not crazy by any standard, um, there's an idea, though, that about 2-3% of, of the human adult population, I mean, because our bodies produce DMT, right? And we know about the Strassman DMT experiments, I believe that was in New Mexico. And those, those experiments showed a very, very similar kind of experience to shamanism. Same people that, you know, took DMT experience what people on ayahuasca or peyote or or even LSD experienced. I mean, they saw, they call them the machine elves. They saw clowns and circuses. They saw things that were like elves and fairies. And there's another thing. If you look at elves and fairies and sprites and brownies and all these things, you're going to find the same thing. You're going to find children, women that are brought in to wet nurse these, these babies. You're going to find um, uh, fairies that marry humans in a sense they have wives or husbands and they get pulled into this other world and the fairy lights are like the ring of, a, of an unidentified flying object right a flying saucer and even going into the mountain you know being taken into the mountain the sacred mountain communing with god moses on the mountain these are all things that are explained in different ways but they're basically coming from the same kinds of experiences in the ancient mystery schools 
the basis of those schools was to align oneself with nature and the divine law, the divine will of God, commune with spirits, and then come back and be resurrected, what they called living resurrection, um, in the bridal chamber in which one would be married, you'd be you know, the bride of Christ, and you would um, come back with knowledge that would be preserved and, and kept, uh, kept as a sacred thing that would be used to help people. So we're looking at shamanism, we're looking at alien abductions, we're looking at fairies, we're looking at mystery schools, and they're all telling us the exact same thing. There are other worlds, there are ways to reach these other worlds through hallucinogenic substances, again, ayahuasca, LSD, peyote, DMT, but our bodies also produce DMT, and so some people might naturally slip into an altered state of consciousness and see these things, but they're not taking drugs. They're not, you know, intentionally trying to hallucinate. They're just laying in bed. They wake up in the middle of the night. These are things that are not, by the way, confined to sleep paralysis for anybody thinking that this isn't sleep paralysis. These are things that from the most ancient time of, of man that we have evidence and, and recording of, um, the development of art and the development of culture and the development of, of religious ideas, again, 25, 35,000, 40,000 years ago, same brain capacity, same ability to experience these things from ayahuasca to DMT to LSD to peyote to pretty much anything. I mean, the, the ergot of the Greek schools, um, the hallucinatory uh, gases that were coming up from the cracks at the Oracle of Delphi, uh, People were taking hallucinogenic substances, uh, the, the, the purple fungus that grew on the crops, uh, the ergot, which is also a name that refers to Demeter, the goddess of the crops. Uh, you put all this together and you realize it all sounds very, very similar. And the interesting thing is, coming back to DNA, that the co-discoverer of the double helix structure of DNA in 1953, Francis Crick, believed that the encoding system of DNA was akin to, and these are his words, quote, an ancient high biotechnology. And it's well known that Francis Crick was also high on LSD when he made his discovery, something that's likely been witnessed for tens of thousands of years in altered states of consciousness long before LSD long before Francis Crick, and long before modern science. In other words, the discoverer of the double helix of DNA was high on LSD and was seeing things that shamans and others have seen for thousands of years. And he identified this as the double helix structure of DNA and believed that this encoding system was akin to an ancient high biotechnology. We also know that the 97% of DNA that we call junk does not follow Ziff's law. And Ziff's law regards frequency and occurrence that appears in languages throughout the world. We find that in the non-coding regions of DNA. The 3% doesn't follow this law. All languages follow this law, and the 97% of DNA also follows this law. 
In other words, the non-coding portion is like a structured language, a structured language embedded in all life on this planet. That means that our DNA, that 97%, holds incredible information. And as Paul Davies suggested, whether it's in our living cells, it's in our DNA, this is evidence of intelligent design. We're going to discuss this in detail when we come back on The Secret Teachings. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast. Please leave us a review on the podcast radio apps. Check us out on Patreon for behind-the-scenes content. Grab yourself a water filter through our affiliate Pro One Water Filters. Check out my books at thesecretteachings.info. They're only available there. A lot of this is in my book, The Technological Elixir. So please grab a copy of that. Subscribe to our archive to get access to all the shows, the montages, and the digital books. Advertisement-free. One-year subscribers get a free copy of one of my books. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com and stay with us. We'll be back. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. It's The Secret Teachings Radio, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, exclusively airing on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is The Secret Teachings Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the name and start listening today for free. But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. 
Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Secret Teachings this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world as we broadcast on the Fringe FM. If you're listening in the free show archive, thank you for tuning in. Leave us a review, please, on the radio and podcast players. Give us whatever the number of stars are that you think we deserve leave us a little review and if you're listening in the secret teachings advertisement free archive with all of our shows montages and my digital books thank you for supporting the show and keeping us on air monday through friday again patreon also has more content behind the scenes videos and my books on the website thesecretteachings.info the technological elixir takes you from artificial intelligence and the music industry to UFOs and shamanic practices and how those are similar to UFO abductions, fairy abductions, and even the ancient mystery schools of Greece and Rome. In all cases, through some form of hallucinatory substance, LSD, later on. Ayahuasca, though, traditionally, peyote, traditionally, a little bit different than ayahuasca, DMT, and whether these are states that are induced intentionally or naturally, some people produce too much DMT. People are experiencing going into another world. They have guides, they have even wives, and they have husbands, and they have children in these other worlds, these spirit worlds. They are being, in some cases, dismembered, taken apart, put back together. They are having implants put in their body, and they're usually coming back with positive intentions and knowledge to make the world a better place. All of this is in my book, The Technological Elixir. Please grab a copy of it at thesecretteachings.info. There's so much in this book. There's so much in my book, Occult Arcana. I, I can't adequately summarize it all because these books are absolutely enormous. Um, there's probably close to like 1,500 pages between Occult Arcana and the technological elixir, if you were to put them in like a six by nine form, Occult Arcana is even bigger than that. It's it's like a ream of, of, of computer paper you buy at the store. It's 542 pages. It's enormous. So if you put that in six by nine, I think it came out to like 900 plus pages or something. So th- there's so much content in these books. Please check them out. Uh, when When we sell a book, that's what keeps us on air. When we have someone that signs up for the subscription, that's what keeps us on air. And we also have, we don't make money off this, but we do have the new t-shirts with the Tree of Life. So those are available on TeePublic. Find them on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash secret teachings. My page, Ryan Gable, or you can find them on our website. There's a little merchandise tab 
I haven't really designed it well. It's just like a link to the TeePublic website where you can grab a, a t-shirt, you can grab a sticker. I just actually got some stickers in the mail. The stickers are pretty cool and uh, really appreciate your support. That's the only thing that keeps us on air. And uh, recently, it's been a little bit tight. So please continue to support us, and we will continue to be here Monday through Friday for you. So when you think about these altered states of consciousness, it's interesting to consider this historical fact. In 1953, Francis Crick, who co-discovered the double helix structure of DNA, he believed that this encoding system was akin to, quote, ancient high biotechnology, end quote. Francis Crick was also, maybe famously to some of you, high on LSD when he made this discovery. But this discovery, these things, the double helix structure of DNA, the serpent, the boa constrictor, these are things that are not only Edenic, in a biblical sense, these are things that humans have witnessed themselves for tens of thousands of years. And we have proof and evidence of that in cave paintings, and we have proof and evidence of that in places like Africa 20-something thousand years ago, in places like southern France 30-something thousand years ago. We have evidence and proof that our ancestors went into these altered states of consciousness, and they saw and they witnessed these things. Modern scientists are no different. Francis Crick, no different. Francis Crick saw this, and this was the discovery of the double helix structure of DNA. Now, my whole premise tonight is that DNA is as incredible. I can't really figure out which one's more incredible when I think about it briefly, but if I give it a little more thought, I realize DNA is much more complex and much more just wild and crazy and woohoo and insane that even the relationship is between the moon, the sun, and the earth, which is pretty wild itself and doesn't match up to any other planet or moon or anything in our solar system. It is as if the moon was constructed and placed there, the, the mathematical anomalies. I mean, it is literally an astronomical anomaly. And it's orbiting our planet. We see the near side all the time. We don't think much about it. From the things that we see on the moon to the gravitational anomalies to the mathematical anomalies, the moon's 400 times smaller than the sun, 400 times closer to the earth. It's rotating at a rate of 400 kilometers per day. The duration of the moon's orbit is 27.322 Earth days, which is a number pretty much close to the size relationship of the moon to the Earth, being 27.31% of the Earth's size. I mean, these, are, these numbers are accurate to 99.99%. The Earth turns on its axis 366.259 times for each orbit around the sun, which is a number pretty much close to the size relationship of the Earth to the moon, being 366.175% larger than the moon. There's also 109.2 Earth diameters across the sun's diameter and 109.2 sun diameters between the Earth and the sun at its furthest point. The moon's circumference is also 109.2 times 100 kilometers. It just goes on and on and on. It is, it is evidence and proof, as far as I'm concerned, of some kind of intelligent design in the macrocosm. In the microcosm, we find that in our own body, in our cells, in our DNA, this is evidence and proof on the microcosmic level. 
of intelligent design. And this isn't a theory that is being proposed by ancient alien theorists. This is a, a, an idea that is evidenced by mainstream science today and evidenced by even mainstream religious thought today. You have this idea of evolution, you have this idea of creationism, you have this idea in ancient aliens of a kind of a mixed creation evolutionary biology. You have people that believe maybe in panspermia. But mainstream science and physics, it's beginning to prove that those that are faithful are actually right. There is absolutely intelligent design to our world. It's not just the moon and the earth and the sun relationship. It's also in our bodies. It's like the powder of projection or the, the uh, philosopher's stone. Remember Harry Potter has that stone the whole time? Is your evidence and proof coming from Harry Potter? No, because Harry Potter is just a story. And Harry Potter is popular because those symbols and those images and those ideas are timeless. They are reservoirs of energy. They speak to us on a subconscious, unconscious, psyche level, and they speak to us deep down in our own DNA because it's coded there. We know this stuff is true. Our DNA, our cells, evidence of intelligent design. Paul Davies, a scientist from the Australian Center for Astrobiology, has suggested the same thing, that aliens wouldn't be communicating to us through radio signals to let us know, hey, we're out here. And that's just our view of it anyway. He said maybe they would use artifacts. And artifacts, not like you're thinking perhaps, artifacts that are self-repairing, self-replicating, cheap, small. Artifacts that, that come in legions, lots of them. And he said they already exist. They're called living cells. Now, that idea could be played around with because cells can be changed and mutated. But the idea, the basic structure of this complex science and this complex biology is present. It's also fascinating to consider that what we call junk DNA, the 97% roughly, follows the same linguistic parameters of Zipf's law. That's Zipf's, Z-I-P-F, Z-I-P-F. Z-I-P-F, the law regarding frequency and occurrence that appears in all languages throughout the world. You find frequency and occurrence that shows you a pattern and shows you an intelligence in the writing. Novels, articles, whatever. The, the intelligence of man is present there in that writing, in the language. And DNA follows the same linguistic parameters. Except that's only true for non-coding junk regions, whereas coding regions, the 3%, do not follow this law. Are you following me? Because this is baffling. But it makes a lot more, it's not so baffling. It makes a lot more sense when you realize there's an intelligent design behind this. So for non-coding junk regions of our DNA, there is the pattern and the fractal that is the frequency and the occurrence that appears in all languages throughout the world, what we call Zipf's law. For the 3%, the coding regions of our DNA, this is not present. That's weird. 
If a majority of DNA has this pattern that all of our human language has, you would think the 3% also has it, but it doesn't because it's coded and has instructions to do something else. In other words, the non-coding portion is like a structured language embedded in all life on this planet. You have the stone, you have the powder of projection. Now, perhaps this is the information and structure being accessed through hallucinogens and other methods during altered states of consciousness. People have seen, when they enter these altered states of consciousness, they've seen dragons, they've seen boa constrictors, they've seen serpents, like the serpent on the tree in the Garden of Eden. Hey, maybe Eve was was hallucinating, right? But these experiences match Francis Crick's assertion that the double helix DNA that he saw when he was high on LSD, mind you, was far too complex to have originated on Earth and likely came from somewhere else. Francis Crick, you know, there's the Francis Crick Institute. You learn about Francis Crick. This guy suggested that DNA came from another galaxy somewhere else, and it was brought here on an automated alien spaceship that had departed during a time that's incomprehensible to us, billions and billions of years. So basically, if you watch Prometheus, they took Francis Crick's idea about DNA that he discovered when he was high on LSD, and they turned it into a movie. Okay? And when you watch A Space Odyssey, if you watch the movie A Space Odyssey, Think about Stanley Kubrick and how the guy's a genius and he's so far ahead of his time, right? Well, what Kubrick put in that movie, what Arthur C. Clarke wrote in the story, are things that NASA had not shared with the public prior to that, that film coming out in the, in the 60s. What did that come out in, like, 1968? It was 1968, that movie came out. Yeah, 1968. And then we went to the moon in 1969, but we knew about the gravitational magnetic anomalies before. NASA knew about those gravitational anomalies. They call them mass cons now, mass concentrations. Looks like Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick placed that into a movie a year before we went to the moon. And yes, the whole idea of the moon landings being fake and the earth is flat and the sun and the moon are just big LED lights. I don't know how they change them, but all of that, I firmly believe, is a QAnon level, Pizzagate level, PSYOP, psychological operation meant to deter your attention, to distract, to misdirect, and to focus your energy on things that are, that are astronomically improbable and unprovable. Things that you can argue about forever, but you're never going to find an answer to them. And it makes, you know, for a good little story, but I don't know. I never thought the flat earth and the moon sun was really that, you know, as little LED lights was really that compelling. I find the mathematics of the moon, sun, earth relationship to be far more compelling. And that's why I think our attention is focused on those things being fake. I think the anomalies of the moon itself are fascinating and I think our attention is focused on the moon not existing or it being a big light or the moon landing being faked 
in order to take our attention away from those things because NASA can't explain it. Our government can't explain it. Top scientists can't explain it, although a lot of them, they have their ideas and they suggest that there's an intelligence on the moon and an intelligence built the moon and intelligence put together our solar system. I think science is a little bit too afraid to acknowledge that religious, faithful individuals might be a little bit more accurate in their final summary. That doesn't mean science is wrong. I don't even know what that means when people say that. Like Science is observation. Science can actually prove that God exists, and science has consistently proved that there is intelligent design in our world. From the sun, moon, earth, to our DNA, to our cells, to everything that makes us human, to our intelligence and our consciousness, it is the mind of God. Even the images of neurons in the brain, for example, look almost freaking identical to images of the universe. As above, so below. The macro and the microcosm. The hermetic axiom. And these are ideas that are taken from hallucinogens and mystery schools and going into altered states of consciousness, things that are a little bit, little bit more modern thousands of years ago to the tens of thousands of years ago where shamans were doing the same thing and seeing the same thing and the dragons and the serpents and the boa constrictors and the cats and the dogs and the things that you know might be common to a specific region, a specific culture, but things that we know as these are images of the underworld of, of, of Egypt, for example, the Egyptian religion, Osiris, God of the underworld, Anubis, the dog. This also takes us not only from shamans and fairies and alien abductions and mystery schools. It also takes us into cryptozoology, having dog-like creatures, dogmen looking in your window or being in your bedroom at night or hat men or smiling men or whatever. It's all coming from the same place. And the proof and the, the existence of, of intelligence is provable by your own DNA, your own cells, your own body, your own anatomy, your own biology, astronomy, astrology, everything. It is intelligent design. But that doesn't mean that it's some guy in the clouds with the scepter, but there is an intelligence to the universe. I think this is the simplest way to describe where human intelligence is coming from. Because if we think about it for a moment, we think animals aren't that intelligent. Some people disagree, but generally speaking, it's like humans are this intelligence, this consciousness. Where does it come from? It's the mind of God. All things are conscious. It's like animism. Everything is soulful, spiritual. Everything has consciousness to it. Everything is observing. It's just different levels of consciousness. Humans are conscious and aware, but sometimes humans are in vegetative states. Sometimes humans are in um, a coma. But they're still a human. They still have that connection. I mean, some, some might believe that animals are more conscious than some humans. I'm inclined to believe that. I'd say there's probably some insects that are more conscious than animals. There's an overlap in these different these different spheres of consciousness as described by, uh, well, some, some Rosicrucians in the early 20th century, you have minerals, you have plants, mineral kingdom, plant kingdom, you have animals, animal kingdom, humans, human kingdom. 
you have uh, demigod consciousness, you have God consciousness, and, and then in between there, I, I left out the elements. So you have mineral, element, plant, animal, human, demigod, and God consciousness. The seven rays of creation, the seven divine rays, the seven steps Buddha took at birth, the seven days of the week, the seven classical planets. The seven is important. The seven divine rays of light, the seven helpers of God, the seven angelic beings, the archangelic beings, the seven cherubim, the seven rays of light that emanate from source, the eighth point, the eight-pointed spoke, which is shin at the top of the pentagram, which brings us yadhevahe, yadhe, shinvahe, which is the pentagrammaton, the pentalpha, and that is the Vitruvian man stretched out with the head, consciousness rising out of the four elements, the four corners, the four seasons, the four, 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 the importance of four as the the creation of, uh, depending on what uh, practice, what uh, idea you're looking at, four is considered uh, the daughter, as three is considered the son, the father, the mother, and the son, and then the daughter is four. So, you know, the point is, because I, I tend to, to ramble about this because this is, you know, my whole life. When you think about DNA and you think about what DNA is telling us, DNA is telling us intelligent design. Scientists have absolutely no idea how DNA came together. There's, there's no way to explain this stuff. I mean, you think about DNA. DNA, take, take the, the four letters of DNA, ACTG. It's like the code in the matrix. It's zeros and ones. It's 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 a it's a system. When you combine these things together, um, these letters mobilize cells to join amino acids together in order to synthesize specific proteins. Right? Francis Crick said, "Since this is a quote, the nucleic acid language has just four distinct letters. There are sixty-four possible triplets. Four times four times four. Sixty-one of those codons, as they are called, stand for one amino acid or another." The other three triplets stand for end chain. DNA also treats two amino acids as single codons. This is not Francis Crick speaking. These amino acids are methionine and tryptophan, which is the source molecule of tryptamine hallucinogens, which is really interesting, right? The hallucinogens that you see theoranthropic beings, you see the, the serpents, the double helix, the geometry, etc. Now, genetic information is recorded chemically in each cell from DNA polymer ribbons. Instructions are copied onto single-stranded RNA molecules first, which then initiate synthesis without further reference to the double helix. So this is like a backup copy and paste type of a system. In this process, cells, for example, for an eyeball, somehow know to use only genes that program for eye cells. That in and of itself is fascinating that evolution could bring us something like that. There has to be some other component to this that evolution is missing. Even within genes, less than 1% of bases contain programs to synthesize specific proteins. It's a small percentage. Now, shortly after the discovery of, of DNA in 1953 by Francis Crick and how he's a co-discoverer, how he basically is high on LSD, sees these things. He believes DNA came from somewhere else and it was brought here on autonomous spaceships. They don't tell you that in science class. Uh, a guy named Stanley Miller, a graduate student from Chicago University, and a guy named Harold Urey, a Nobel Prize winner, attempted to create the exact circumstances believed to have existed in the primeval, primordial soup of early Earth. 
And they were able to successfully uh, do this to some extent. Um, they were able to find through water vapor, hydrogen, and methane with a little bit of ammonia and a little electrical spark. They were able to create a few amino acids. Now, I remember hearing about this a long, long time ago. I learned about this in science class, and they're like, look, we can create life in a lab. What they didn't tell us, because I didn't understand this stuff in school, they didn't tell us that the research went no further than that. And although amino acids are needed for life, what they created were, were just a couple of the amino acids. So, I mean, it's possible to create it, but they're missing a whole hell of a lot of the picture. Okay, they made like, they made like the, 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 let's say, a few bolts that hold your tires on on your car, and they're missing the rest of the car. And they said, well, we can create the whole car. Well, they didn't create the whole car. They created a couple bolts, a couple nuts, a couple screws that hold things together. That's about it. And we know that DNA can only create DNA. So where did the first form come from? Some chromosomes contain long strings of DNA more than a meter in length. That's long considering how small DNA is. We know that DNA synthesizes proteins, but proteins themselves are needed for DNA to exist. So again, chicken or egg kind of a scenario. Without the instructions in DNA, no protein chains could be synthesized and cells cannot do their job. DNA cannot be made and can't replicate itself in absence of protein. So what the hell is it? Where the hell did it come from? How the hell did it form? Well, some researchers actually suggest Richard Lath, molecular biologist at the Pieta Research in Edinburgh, that the moon actually helped form DNA from the when it was closer to the Earth. Every time it passes over big ocean waves and this mixed up and broke apart the DNA and helped it to develop, kind of like that CG image you see in the movie Prometheus where the DNA breaks apart. So maybe the moon was partly responsible. Either way, an intelligence is absolutely behind the sun-moon-earth relationship and behind DNA and cells which are in your body, the elixir of life, and the Philosopher's Stone, the Powder of Projection. The music is White Bat Audio. I'm Ryan Gable, thesecretteachings.info. Please grab a book. Please subscribe. Please check out our Patreon behind-the-scenes content there and email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you have any questions, there's more on DNA and intelligent design when we come back from break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available as TST Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the show name and start listening today for free. And if you want to avoid those annoying ads, visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our ad-free archive with some of our older shows included. You'll get a private RSS feed and access to the Montage Archive and my digital books. Subscribe today or listen to the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info. 
below. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey there, this is Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. This music is White Bat Audio. That's most of our music that we play for bumpers here on the show. It's royalty-free. You can find White Bat Audio on YouTube. They're nice enough to let us use their music. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Tonight is Thursday, March 3rd into Friday, March 4th, 2022. And I discussed in detail tonight a little recap of our Death Star Moon show from Tuesday and how the moon, the sun, 
and the earth share this incredible mathematical relationship that is not seen or found anywhere else in our solar system. That seems to be beyond the typical organic natural patterns of nature and seems to indicate intelligent design. The moon is 400 times smaller than the sun. The moon is 400 times closer to the earth than the sun. So we get that beautiful eclipse, that terrifying eclipse, historically probably for some cultures and some people. The moon is rotating at a rate of 400 kilometers per Earth day. The duration of the moon's orbit is 27.322 Earth days, a number close to the size relationship of the moon to the Earth being 27.31% of the Earth's size. The Earth turns on its axis 366.259 times for each orbit around the sun, a number close to the size relationship of the Earth to the moon being 366.175% larger than the moon. The moon makes 366 orbits of the Earth in 10,000 Earth days. There are 109.2 Earth diameters across the sun's diameter and 109.2 sun diameters between the Earth and the sun at its furthest point. The circumference of the moon is 109.2 times 100 kilometers. This is really incredible mathematical stuff. If it weren't for the moon, the Earth's angle, allowing for the seasons, the liquid water, etc., would not be held, and it's likely that life as we know it would not be present on this planet. We know from the moon, we get month, the four-week period that gives us the word month. It is the Latin menses, meaning month, that we get the word menstrual. The cycles of the moon that many women are synced up with or become synced up with every couple of months. We also get the word lunatic from the moon. The idea that people become more violent or aggressive. The moon has an effect on us as it does the oceans, as it does menstruation and birth. This is why the moon has typically been seen as a female, as a goddess, and as a protector of birth and children and fertility, whether Diane, Diana, Celine, etc. We don't really have an idea of how the moon formed. We have many top scientists who have said that the moon shouldn't exist. The moon has a peculiar and anomalous orbit, rotation, itself an anomaly on its surface. There are anomalies. It's almost as if the moon itself has hydraulic damper struts inside of it, that it's artificial. Apollo 13 smashed the third stage of the Saturn V launch vehicle weighing 15 tons into the moon. NASA said it, quote, rang like a bell. A little bit before Apollo 13, Apollo 12 sent their lunar module crashing into the moon. It struck with the force of one ton of TNT, causing shockwaves that lasted for about an hour. The Apollo 13 third stage of the Saturn V rocket that they smashed into the moon reverberated the moon for over three hours and 20 minutes at a depth of 25 miles, leading to the conclusion that the moon had a light or no core at all. The moon was also hit by a meteor in 1972 with the power of 200 tons of TNT, but no shockwaves came back from the interior. We also know that two Russian scientists back in the 70s, Michael Vossen and Alexander Sherbakov, 
wrote in Sputnik magazine, is the moon the creation of intelligence, that the moon was likely a spaceship from a time incomprehensible to us. All the moon anomalies, the letters, the symbols, the mist, the dust, things that are constantly being kicked up, the patterns in the dust, the white streaks, and the tracks of what look like vehicles, the objects that can be seen in craters. Some of the colored images seen green in the craters, almost as if they are biodomes growing plants. The rocks of the moon, billions of years old, some suggesting that the moon rocks and the moon dust actually older than our solar system. If you read the book Who Built the Moon, Alan Butler suggests that the moon itself was created from the earth, not through some natural process, but an artificial process. It is also possible, I think, because the oxygen isotopes on the moon are similar to that of the earth, which suggests the moon formed about the same distance from the sun as the earth. But it's possible that since we're in the Goldilocks zone, an extraterrestrial alien species in another solar system, let's say, they created several of these moons, which is kind of the idea behind the story in the movie Moonfall. And they created lots of these moons to be incubators or Noah's arcs to send out into the universe to find habitable planets to spread the genes, to spread the DNA. So it's you know a form of planetary seeding. And then they bring the moon here. It's similar to Earth, but different. It's lighter. That's a little bit of a summary about the anomalies of the moon and the sun-moon-earth relationship. Then you have something like DNA. And DNA is as bizarre, if not more bizarre, than the moon. In fact, DNA is the microcosm to the moon as a macrocosm, both of which indicate and I believe prove intelligent design. Now, I'm not talking about God in the clouds. I'm not talking about Judeo-Christianity, Islam, etc. I think all of those put together with Hinduism and Buddhism, it provides us with a better understanding of what intelligent design is based on faith in what we consider to be religion. Science itself is a religion. It's a faith-based system. Science itself rejects heretics, burns heretics. Science itself, like religion is not so much science in the same way that religion isn't so much religion. It's human nature to live in an echo chamber, to allow ego to dominate us. I mean, this is the base animal nature. When we can overcome that, then we can have conversations as adults and we can realize that we're not always right. Other people have perceptions and opinions that can help us to not only see the world differently, but can actually help us to prove our points. Science can prove the existence of God. And God is the evidence of all the scientific observations that prove his existence. It's like the white and black God, the seal of Solomon, God looking down and reflecting on himself. We have the tools to prove God, what we call God. And within that structure, within that snowflake, like the Grinch, within that I think it's a dandelion in Horton Hears a Who. Within that little flower, this whole universe, universes within universes, dimensions within dimensions, 
multiple universes. I mean, these are things that for a lot of Eastern religions are not crazy concepts. We look up into the sky, we're looking for aliens, we're looking for intelligence. But intelligence is staring us back in the face every time we look at the moon. Intelligence is staring us in the face every time a child is born. An intelligence, a consciousness that is all throughout the universe, all throughout the solar system, all throughout our planet, all throughout our bodies, our cells, our very DNA. These are perhaps the artifacts that are left behind by an intelligent species to show that intelligence and consciousness exists in the universe. Paul Davies from the Australian Center for Astrobiology suggests these artifacts are the cells in our body. It is the DNA that we, that we have as the basis of life as we know it. And DNA is, a, is an interesting thing because DNA, like the moon, it's anomalous. In fact, the co-discoverer of the double helix structure of DNA in 1953, Francis Crick, believed that DNA was basically a high, he called it a high, biotechnology, an ancient high biotechnology, quote, an ancient high biotechnology. Francis Crick also was on LSD when he discovered DNA, something that likely has been witnessed for tens of thousands of years in altered states of consciousness long before LSD, Crick, or modern science. When you look at shamanic culture, you find shamanic culture going into the other world, communing with spirits, seeing half-human, half-animal, or half-animal, half-insect, half-insect, half-human creatures, having spirit guides, having spirit wives or husbands or children, being dismembered, being put back together, having implants in the body. These are the same experiences that shamans have and share in common with UFO alien abductees. They're the same experiences shared in common with people who have had interactions with fairies. They're the same experiences that people who have intentionally taken hallucinatory substances in the ancient mysteries of Greece or Rome have experienced in going into the other world or the underworld. And they see some of the same things that we see in the Egyptian or the Mesoamerican underworlds, the dogs and the weighing of the soul against the heart, the material against the spiritual, and the Hall of Judgment in Egypt, a very similar story told in Mesoamerican cultures. We find the imagery of the dog, the imagery of the butterfly, the imagery of the soul, the psyche. These are all elements of the underworld, all elements of the other world, all elements that can be experienced through proper use of certain substances that allow us to access these other realms, these other realities. In fact, there's a gentleman named Bruce Lamb who went to the Amazon and researched these substances. I believe he took quite a bit of ayahuasca. And he said, he speculated, there's some unknown unconscious level of the, the genetic encoder DNA that provides, quote, a bridge to biological memories of all living things and aura of unbounded awareness manifesting itself in the activated mind. Similar ideas and theories were proposed by anthropologist Jeremy Narby, who believes there is a message or messages encoded in our DNA that can be read and interacted with through substances such as ayahuasca. And all of this is compounded by the fact that under 
numerous methods used to reach these altered states of consciousness, serpents, a double helix, and geometry play a central role. In other words, DNA and RNA. Narby adds that, quote, DNA is a master of transformation just like the mythical serpents. And it's from the serpents that man acquires much of his knowledge. And it's from these serpents that shamans have received much of their healing and botanical wisdom. DNA also tells us another story. Because we have two segments of DNA in the scientific literature. We have the 3% of our DNA that codes, that makes up everything, and we have the 97% we call junk. Now, let's not just laugh at the idea of junk DNA. Let's consider it for a moment. What is the junk DNA? Well, the junk DNA, the 97%, follows the same linguistical parameters of all language on planet Earth. It's called Zipf's Law, and it regards frequency and occurrence in language. This pattern of frequency and occurrence is only found in the non-coding junk regions, whereas in coding regions, the 3% do not follow this law. In other words, the non-coding portion is like a structured language embedded in all life on this planet, evidence and proof in the microcosm of intelligent design. Mimicking and mirroring and being reflected from the great reflector in the sky, the moon, the macrocosmic evidence of intelligent design that we see every day and every night. And DNA baffles scientists to this day. Because although Stanley Miller and Harold Urey created circumstances Decades ago, in a lab, water vapor, hydrogen, methane, and ammonia with an electrical spark, they were able to create some amino acids, but they basically created a, you know the front right tire of a car and didn't produce the rest of the car, and it certainly wasn't a car that you could drive. Basically, the research didn't go any further, and the amino acids were just a few amino acids. You need a lot more than just a few amino acids, and you need an infinite complexity at least infinite in terms of how we perceive and, 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 and conceive of things, to consider the possibility that DNA just happened to pop up out of nowhere. We know that DNA creates DNA, so where did the first DNA come from? Now, some chromosomes contain such long strings of DNA that, that it's just it's incomprehensible. There must be some kind of design behind it. We know that DNA synthesizes proteins, right? But proteins themselves are needed for DNA to exist. And without the instructions in DNA, no protein chains could be synthesized and cells could not do their job. DNA cannot be made and it can't replicate itself in absence of proteins. So we're left in a bit of a tough position here. Now, evolution, much like creationism, I think lacks certain details. Evolution itself lacks explanation for the source of these planned codes within cells without which there could be no specific proteins. Some scientists like Richard Lath, a molecular biologist at Pieta Research, uh, like a research institute in Edinburgh, suggested the moon helped DNA form from primordial soup. Basically, the moon was much closer to the earth and as it moved around the planet, it's gotten further away. It's actually moving further away the gravitational pull, and and the sun does have a pull on the earth gravitationally, but not as much as the moon does in terms of oceans. But the pull caused these oceans and this water to move around, slosh around, and 
Richard Loff considers that to be a possible explanation for how DNA formed naturally. I mean, the average protein contains over 300 amino acids, and to create that protein with hundreds of amino acids, DNA would have to contain 1,000 nucleotides in its chain. Each DNA chain contains four sorts of nucleotides, and this results in basically the number is like, it's like thousands and thousands of zeros. Uh, the four times, it's like thousands of zeros. I don't, I don't even know what the number is. And it's estimated that there are actually less particles than that. It's like 10 to the 10 times 10 to the 80th power particles in the whole universe. Like the, the chances of DNA just happening to pop up are beyond incomprehensible. Now, now maybe we just haven't come to the, to the, the, the time in human development where we can understand this and not just say it's intelligent design and write it off. But the evidence seems to suggest that you can merge religion and science together, which they always have been in some capacity, um, as mythology is a form of science as well. And you can find perhaps a better explanation for how life, you know, developed. For example, Sir Fred Hoyle, one of the most famous and respected scientists probably ever, said, quote, rather than accept that fantastically small probability of life having arisen through blind forces of nature, it seemed better to suppose that the origin of life was a deliberate intellectual act. J.D. Burnell, an English scientist, said, quote, the answer would seem to me, combined with the knowledge that life is actually there, to lead to the conclusion that some sequences other than chance occurrences must have led to the appearance of life as we know it. These are, these are not theologians. These are scientists. Fred Hoyle, probably one of the most famous scientists ever. These are top scientists, and they're saying that life as we know it probably didn't come about by chance. Life as we know it is probably the result of intelligent design. And the evidence and the proof of that is in DNA. The evidence and proof of that, furthermore, as I've been suggesting, is in the moon, in the Earth-Sun-Moon relationship. And when you consider all of this together, you have beautiful black monoliths in that of the moon as a macrocosmic image of intelligent design, a macrocosmic evidence and proof. And in the black monolith that is our DNA, the microcosmic evidence and proof of intelligent design. And when you put the two together, there's even a possibility that the moon was responsible According to Richard Lath, molecular biologist, the moon might have been partially responsible for the development of DNA. Now, we can romanticize and science fictionize our understanding of all of this in the same way that scientists say, Big Bang, everything evolved, case closed. In the same way that religious-minded, faithful individuals say, God said, let there be light, and then everything was there, and there's no such thing as evolution. In the same way that ancient alien theorists say, Maybe there was a big bang. Maybe God created everything, but aliens came to Earth. They seeded this planet or they helped humans develop and case closed. I think let's mix it all together. Some kind of intelligence is behind our universe. Evolution can be a component of that, but not entirely accurate. It's broadly accurate. And there might be intelligent species that, might have seeded planets like ours and not by, you know, dropping, uh, you know, 
an engineer off and letting him drink some black liquid and then his body deteriorates and turns into DNA. Now I'm talking about some kind of, uh, and not panspermia either, um, because you can say intelligent design, intelligence led to you know the panspermia, the comet, the sperm penetrating the egg, the earth, the planet, which is an interesting macrocosm of the sperm and the egg anyway, the comets striking planets and leading to life developing. I mean, the, the evidence for, for evolution in some sense is there. The evidence for intelligent design is there. The evidence for some kind of um, extraterrestrial intelligence is there. But when you mix it all together, you start to realize, okay, there is absolutely no way this is all happening by chance. And, and this is the biggest, greatest question of human existence. What, what is the purpose of life? Was it an accident? Was it an intelligent? What was it? We could derive perhaps from this information that the purpose of life is the expansion of intelligence and consciousness. This is why, I don't know, for me, I can tell you circumstantially, I, I was reading the other day and I just, I was sitting there thinking, I, I, I can't stop. Like, I can't stop learning. I, I have to constantly consume. I have to constantly digest. I have to constantly process information. I mean, I've got, if you've seen the studio, I've got literally like, well, I've got three bookshelves, but they're just piled with books and I, I just can't stop reading. I'm reading books on, um, I've got a history of communism. I've got tragedy and hope I've never read. I'm, I'm in the process of reading that. I'm reading uh, the history of totalitarianism. I'm reading a, a book on veganism. I'm reading a book on um, just general health and, and nutrition and preventative medicine. I'm reading a book on the history of the world. I'm reading a book on um, environmentalism. Uh, it's called Skeptical Environmentalism. I'm reading uh, a bunch of Graham Hancock books. I'm reading Israel Rigardi. I'm reading uh, Timothy Good. I'm reading. I'm reading. I'm read. I'm rereading uh, the Mark Booth book, The Secret History of the World, one of my favorite books. I'm reading through books on voodoo. I'm. I just. I. I can't stop learning. I just read Alan Butler's Who Built the Moon and George Leonard's Somebody Else Is on the Moon. I read both of those books in like probably seventy two hours. I. I just. I, I. I can't stop. And it's that. That Solomonic consciousness is what I would call it. Asking for knowledge, asking for wisdom, asking you shall receive. It's that that drives me. And like that to me is the purpose of life. Learning, knowledge, 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 learning, 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 constantly absorbing, constantly processing. And the thing is, I don't have all the answers. And literally, the more I learn, the more I read, the more I realize I don't know. So I want other people's perspectives. I want other people's information. I'm not going to have all the answers. Sometimes you might find contradictory things in what I say. It's not because I'm contradicting myself or I'm a hypocrite. I'm just providing different points of view. And it's funny in radio because if you only listen for 15 minutes and you hear something, it might be contradictory, hypocritical. You hear something out of context and then you just develop this perception of how, who the radio host is. I know in radio you can't do that. You have to look at things by standing back and seeing it all in context. And that's how we have to look at everything, the moon, DNA, the idea of intelligent design, the idea of just chance. I mean, God, intelligence, aliens, whatever, probably developed things, created an intelligent structure, and then allowed things to develop naturally. I don't see why those two ideas can't coexist. 
Well, they actually can, and they do coexist quite nicely. Intelligent design. Here's the intelligence. Here's the design. Here's the patterns. Here's the fractals. Here's the moon. Here's the DNA. Here's earth. Here's life. Here's knowledge. Here's wisdom. Here's everything. And then it evolves and it progresses forward, always looking to grow, always looking to develop, always looking to produce, always looking to learn, always learn, looking to be conscious. All of these aspects, all of these elements are literally in the macrocosm. They are in the microcosm. They are as above and they are so below. They are the elixir of life. They are the powder of projection. They are the philosopher's stone. And all of these elements, all of these aspects, all of these components are as being the elixir of life, the things that give us life, the things that give us the motivation to move forward and to advance, to progress, and to do so naturally and organically. And that, I believe, is the point, the purpose. That is the reason we exist. I've said to people, Over the years when people ask me, why would you want to have a child? Why would you want to have kids? The world's a messed up place. And I've said to them, well, if I don't have a child and properly educate them, and if others haven't done the same, the world would be a hell of a lot worse than it is. If we don't have people like John Locke, for example, if we don't have people like, you might not like him, Alex Jones, if you don't have people like Jim Mars, I always bring up Jim Mars because he's a he was a good friend of ours. If you don't have people, doctors, scientists, theologians, physicists, archaeologists who are willing to break the mold, who are willing to go a step further, people like Graham Hancock, Robert Bouval, Robert Schock, you don't have people like this, things grind to a halt. And life loses its, well, its, its purpose, its meaning. It's just, it doesn't seem like there's any, there's any reason to keep going. That's why when you create, when you, when you learn, life seems more full of, uh, of magic. Life seems more full of spirit. And there seems to be, at the heart of that, an intelligent, conscious, driving force. And tonight, I believe I've provided you with at least an argument, perhaps some level of evidence of this intelligent force. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. If you enjoy this show, please grab a copy of one of my books, Occult Arcana, The Technological Elixir, or Food Philosophy, Digital and or Physical, You get a free copy of one of those books when you subscribe to the archive. You'll get ad-free access to the shows, a private RSS feed, the montage archive, and my digital books. Again, you'll get a physical copy of one of my books for free as well. Free shipping in the U.S. We do ship overseas, though. Check us out on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. We're also on Gab and Gitter. Grab a water filter from Pro One. Check us out on Patreon for behind the scenes and please leave us a review on one of the many radio and podcast players to let other people know what you think of the secret teachings. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.